Welcome, welcome to another episode of Barnes University Radio. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is going to be about high draft picks, specifically the quarterback position, and coaching styles, you know, new school and old school. Um, And you will get, we'll get right into it. I was just thinking and going over um, some of the work that I've done this year, and I was looking at you know, a specific situation, you know, we, we cover the Titans here. So Marcus Mariota situation. And, you know, um, I I mentioned this publicly to one of the more well-known, I guess, uh, media members who cover this, covers the Titans and, uh, just talking about how Marcus Mariota's development since he got here has been, and, um, you know, I'm of the ideology of no player uh, gets a spot without, you know, competition. And if there's not competition there, we're going to create competition. Nobody goes into the season believing that they have the job. You know, um, that's that has to be earned. Um, his rebuttal was he was a number two overall pick. He automatically should get the job. Um, so differing ideologies there. But. You know, one only one has proven to be more consistent. I'm not going to say it's the right or wrong way to go, um, but it's been proven to be more consistent in terms of getting the outcome that you'd like. Um, And that's when you you have a backup in place or you push your young quarterback or having him sit, um, having some type of competition where he's a backup first. And he has to really, you know, fight or and learn behind a veteran or some type of comp, comp, competition, you know. Um, and then you look at every quarterback or top 10 quarterbacks and you kind of just go down the list. Did that player have competition at one point? Blah, blah, blah. And you look at the players who didn't and you see how their career panned out. So. And it's kind of two sided. So it's like. Marcus Mariota didn't have competition really throughout his whole career, didn't have to worry about, you know, um, studying a little longer, didn't have to look over his shoulder. You know, competition brings out the best in you. It it makes you cherish the moment a little bit more. Um, it makes you do some things that you thought that you'd never do before just simply to gain a competitive edge. You look at quarterbacks like Philip Rivers, who had to sit behind Drew Brees for a little bit and have that competition. You can't tell me that, you know, you, these players are highly competitive. They don't sit behind veterans just, you know, twiddling their thumbs and, and just succumbing to the fact that this player has my position or where I want to be. It's a comp- competition. And obviously with Drew Brees, you can think of the top 10 quarterbacks, top 15 quarterbacks in the league. Drew Brees had a quarterback drafted. Phillip Rivers right behind him. That's going to amp up his game. Phillip Rivers is a is a draft pick trying to get his spot. You look at guys like Aaron Rodgers who sat behind Brett Favre. You know, I can go down the list. You, uh, Patrick Mahomes who sat behind Alex Smith. You know, I can go down the list. Deshaun Watson, who had Tom Savage ahead of him. Like, I can go down the list of these top 10 quarterbacks that were were put in a situation. You can even <laughs> you can even go more recently to Baker Mayfield. If you thought, you know, his obviously his rookie season, those games that he played in was very impressive. He's starting off a little, 
slower now, but his even his situation starting behind Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor. So these situations harbor a different. Um, it creates a monster. It creates a quarterback that's super competitive that learned a little bit, and and I just think that's very important. Now Marcus Mariota came into a situation. Titans had the opportunity to add better competition. They kept, you know, guys like Matt Castle, Zach Mettenberger, those type of guys around. It kind of just gave him the keys to Nashville. That's not my way to go. And you can kind of see, you know, some of the uh, ramifications of doing that. Um, and then obviously this is something that we've already talked about and people already know it's pretty common knowledge. The higher you're taking more than likely, unless a team got a draft pick by trade, you're going to a team that's not that good right now. And I was just thinking about the two outliers of, of quarterbacks when I just went through the list of top 10 quarterbacks, top 15 quarterbacks that were given the job but didn't pan out so bad. And I was thinking about guys like Cam, Cam Newton and Andrew Luck. Those guys were number one overall selections um, and... Well, if not overall, not if not number one overall, they were high in the draft uh, uh, overall selection category. And both of those players were pretty much given the job. It was understood that they were the guy. And you look at both of both of their careers and how they went. Andrew Luck has recently retired. Cameron Newton is going through his own injury concerns right now as well. So you look at what the, the the dynamic of how these quarterbacks are being brought into the league. You're you're getting put on a poor team who probably doesn't always isn't always, um, you know, a layup in terms of knowing if the offensive line is poor. But saner heads prevail, and we say that you know this the team that they're being drafted to overall is a poor team. They're just going out there, in in a lot of these teams, they're. Uh, a lot of these players, their first year, they're getting hit a lot. Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, they're getting a lot of hits. They're accumulating a lot of shots, a lot of injuries early in their career. So what is really the precedent that we're doing? Like, I feel like much with anything, there needs innovation, new minds. And this is going to segue perfectly to what I'm talking about. And I don't want it to be taken the wrong way because I respect and I've learned from so many older you know, obviously more experienced people. And I think it should be collaborative. I think it should be open dialogue. But why collectively are we unable to, and it has to be, it has, someone has to have the number one overall pick every year. I understand that. I get it. Somebody has to, you know, suck. But you're putting these young quarterbacks, young athletes in situations that is, you know, reducing the amount of time that they are in the league based on your inability to create a fortress or a consistent offensive line to protect these players, which is extremely unfortunate when you have like generational talent having to retire so early because of of the ability of the front office, inability of the front office to surround him with talent that protects him. So it, it, I go to this, I go to this. Now, I've been kind of studying, you know, 
how to get into the football world. You know, I've studied the guys that, you know, kind of their path, how they got to where they're at, general managers, scouts, what, what, or whatnot. You know, it usually starts in a place where, you know, you know, starts in football, maybe collegiate. You you know some people, you stay there long enough, you move up, you get an opportunity. And it's rarely ever like, I, I honestly rarely ever hear like it was a passion. Like a, wherever they go or the position that they get, I rarely hear like it was a passion to do so once they get into scouting. Usually it was, they were in coaching um, or, you know, they were just kind of, they just wanted to be around football and then somebody kind of put them in the scouting ranks and then they kind of learned from there and then moved up. You know, there was a gopher or something. They moved up, continually moved up, gained position, gained trust within the organization. You know, that's usually the path, which would be very juxtaposed to my path. Now, how I get in and my business and, and how I do it, you know, that's to be disclosed at a later date. I am in talks and in, in, with 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 some schools you know i keep i'll save that for another podcast but how i do it is a little bit different my aim and goal is to always do my best at whatever task is at hand but at the end of the day i know what i want to do i know where i want to be at the end of the day so i I study where these general managers come from it starts you know coaching like i just said coaching being a gopher and then just climb up so it's not necessarily a, you know, I'm I'm kind of spiritual, you know, um, I'd say that I am spiritual. I stand by that. And, you know, I feel like this is what he put me here. This is what God, you know, put me here to do. So it's more of a vocation. It's more of a, an extreme passion than a just a job. And I'm not saying that anybody else, not, not to, you know, rain on anybody else's parade. So. When I look at the paths that these people have taken and the trust that they gain within these organization, I, I question, is it because it's it's easier to give someone who has good business acumen? Maybe they have they have they're a slick talker. Maybe they, you know, are good actors. You know, maybe they do have a little bit of an eye for talent in terms of uh, based off the experience they've gotten, obviously, from the scouting side, but from coaching. But then but then here we are now. This is my point. So based off of what players were and yes, people adapt. You'd hope that they have an adaptive mind uh, and keeping up with trends. But if you have all that accumulated knowledge and you have seen, you know, several turnover in terms of, you know, player types were once this, but now it's this. So you've seen the change, but you're a human, though. And this is going to pair to what I'm talking about. I know I keep on saying that. This is going off the dome. All my podcasts are off the dome, by the way. Um, it's freestyled. It's not written down. So excuse me if it's a little bit scatterbrained. I feel like it's still flowing well. <laughs> so excuse me there. But I feel as though that there is an older ideology in building teams to where sometimes I see players you know, it just kind of sparked sparked a thought. I saw a few players, or I see it consistently, of players in the league who, obviously, to be a professional athlete, to be in the NFL, it's a dream. You deserved it. But there's a lot of players that I feel as though are, are in the league in the way that coaches talk about them. It's, 
you know, obviously they've done their job. I'm not taking anything from a player, but honestly, I feel like it's a skill set or a player type. They just remind them of a player they used to have, you know, and that's fine. That's the human element of it. Even though if the player that I'm talking about isn't as good or he even should be in the league and there's some players that might be better than him that aren't in the league, we know that. That's that's life, right? But it's like this ideology of forming a team based off of past experiences not and maybe not even the best interest of the team. You know, and this old ideology, we look at the types of people and the types of players, and and this is getting to a different area. We look at the different types of people and the different types of players being brought into the league, you know, and we talk about being relatable to these players, you know, and and this is more of like I'm talking about more of a collaborative effort. And this is probably a good reason why. A lot of a lot of GMs are bringing in younger talent, younger eyes just to get a refreshed view of things, which is smart that you can relate to these players that's coming up. You know, you can relate to, you know, and more of a diverse, um, a, div- a diverse hiring process because, you know, you, you can get, you know, scouts, talent evaluators, assistants that have been in have gone through the things that some of these players have gone through, can understand the way that they talk, the way that they dress, can understand where they come from. I think that that's a very valuable, um, you know, attribute um, to have on your team, a scouting team, you know, you know, for, for things like that. That's something that I'm probably going to get more open with, like where I come from and, you know, um, that that that's valuable to me, you know, and when I'm thinking about, you know, building, you know, in the future, building my my team, I want a very diverse group who, you know, have conv- have have conviction about what they see that are obsessed, that that care about the game a lot. And I want a diverse group that they know how to talk the talk. They know how to walk the walk, Um, you know, and. And, and all of that. And, um, you know, coming from where I come from, you know, um, you know, having an uncon- unconventional upbringing, I feel as though that I understand where these players are coming from. I think that's a, a very valuable skill set to have on a staff and to pair with, you know, the older, you know, the more experienced, I should say, seasoned people, you know, pairing the season aspect of it. You know, showing us the ropes, knowing from experience, you know, and then you pair it with a young, refreshing viewpoint and relatability. I think that it's a it's a dynamic that can be successful, you know, but at the end of the day, at the core, you got to know how to scout talent as well. So we can't just be all, you know, singing Kumbaya and, you know, um, you know you know, just chilling out and hanging out all the time. You got to actually be good at your job. And I would, and really, to be honest, one of the things that I'm looking at, I'm not looking at, you know, good. I'm looking at like, I'm looking at, you know, guys that can really, really see talent and show a body of work. And some of the things that I do now, like even in my hiring process, I would like to see, you know, guys that actually wanted to scout. I'm not going to say that a former coach or a former Equipment manager can't be a great scout. I'm not saying that, but I, it, 
you know, just based off of how I viewed it, like I literally have a seven year, not not many scouting assistants that I've seen get hired before they got into the NFL have a seven year resume of their draft picks, their reports, their breakdowns coming into fruition years later. Not many have that resume. And and I always say if drafting is nothing more, if drafting during draft day is nothing more than selecting a player with your allotted pick, if drafting is nothing more than that over the past seven years, I've done pretty well. And, and to me, that is a great way to judge a talent evaluator based off of, yes, their reports, which is several of those on my Twitter account at BU underscore scouting is Literally, what a GM is doing in a war room is he has his board, he, you know, literally a board up and literally his board and staff of directors and people and maybe the owners there. And literally all they're doing is during the, their clock, they're going over who they want to select. Once it's selected, they call it in to the guys that's actually at the drive, tell them to either write it down, get it ready to go or to go ahead and go with it. And that's literally all they're doing. What I did this past year was literally the same thing within my own house, my own office with a big board, extensive board of 400 plus players. You tell me what's the difference other than it than it tangibly, tangibly being with the organization. So much like how I selected players live, I stand by that. Like I said, I mentioned conviction earlier. So I've done that for seven years and based on the team that I'm more specific to, it's specific to the Titans, based on the players pick for pick, mine has panned out. Now, to uh, to others, you can say that's glorified fantasy football, glorified playing dress up, whatever you want to call it. I call it manifestation. I'll call it practice and I and I've call it what you want. It's been accurate. It's been accurate. You can't you can't deny that. So I just feel as though, you know, you know, these are this is thinking out loud loud. But I feel as though that pairing would benefit a lot of these players. And and sometimes I often find myself, you know, other than my philanthropic views of like, you know, you know, doing stuff for cancer patients or helping people out just in general that's going through hardships or just trying to prevent uh, further, you know, bodily damage, you know, doing charity, charity or having thoughts like that to help people was what I do in scouting. Yes, we're trying to win a championship. I'm very hell bent or I'm very passionate. Um, I have drive to try to form a great team to win a championship. Sure. But at the end of the day, yes, we are helping young men, you know, try to try to make their dreams come true and, you know, Try to tell them the truth um, and try to make their time and their stay with your organization as good as it can be. It's a professional sport. It can get hard. But, you know, you want to just put players in the best position. You want them to have successful careers. You want them to have fun. And that's really, really what I enjoy. I, I enjoy you know, forming a brotherhood, forming a culture and going through the hardships week in and week out. And then, you know, at the end of the day, yes, you ask players, what do you miss most? The camaraderie, the brotherhood. That is very important. 
But I'm telling you one thing, and I've heard this from the greats, is when you guys come to those or go to those reunion parties or get-togethers, it feels it feels a lot better when you're wearing rings and banners are, are up as opposed to just, you know, being ringless and we're just talking about regular season memories. So that's really my goal, and it's 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 all collective, and it's all you know for a a, a good cause. Um, you know, it's all it's all for the player. It's all for a community. It's all for a state. Um, you know, it's all it's all for a good cause, and that's what it's really about. Um, you know, just being being so selfless and uh being selfless and you know knowing that your legacy inspires others and your legacy creates pride sense of pride sense of life for others what you do how you move um you know your passion it generates life and energy for others. So many, you know, just by winning the game can literally make people smile, make them make their day, you know. So it's all important. I love the game of football and, um, you know, I'm going to keep on working and keep on praying and I'm, I'm going to get where I want to go. So thanks for tuning in. Um, God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the week um, and take care.